welcome to the Planet Vars podcast where we talk about all that grows and flows in my mind. Today's topic is how black characters are treated in fantasy and how they tend to be poorly written and that's if they're even written in there which they tend to get erased in this genre. So we're going to kind of focus on Bonnie Bennett from Vampire Diaries. I'm a huge fan of that show. I have like a huge huge Vampire Diaries era like in the summer like spring summer of last year and like I love the show but as time went on I noticed how badly treated Bonnie was and yeah we're gonna get into that later so we're gonna first start off when fantasy when fantasy shows like when they try to explicitly and I say explicitly I mean they try and when they actively try and like notice a black character's culture and try to be culturally and racially aware and just kind of see how that goes so we're gonna start off with um this character T-Dog even his name is very I can't say stereotypical. It was 2009 and T-Dog's from The Walking Dead. He was like the one black male character for like season one. He was the kind of the primary black character. He was kind of, he reminded me of Cyborg from T-Titans Go. He just was, he was cool. He was a cool guy, nothing too special. But when we first kind of get introduced to T-Dog's character, we first see him have an interaction with this character Merle and... Merle is like this country because it's set in Atlanta. Merle or I guess George. We're going to say Georgia. Merle is this like country bumpkin Trump supporter kind of guy. And our first interaction we see with T-Bone and Merle is Merle calling him the hard R. And he like starts fighting him and all of that. I'm going to play the audio for you guys of what that sounds like. Like what their first interaction was. I tell you the day, Mr. Yo, it's the day I take orders from a nigger. So with that being said, it's just a very aside from the aside from T Bone getting beat up and losing the fight, literally Merle like spits on T Bone. Oh, I'm sorry, T Dog. I keep thinking T Bone for some reason. I think I'm thinking of iCarly, but anyways. Um Merle like literally spits on T Bone, T Dog, T Dog, and they're like the fight he loses the fight rick gets rick is another main character of the show he gets pushed aside and basically merle wins the fight eventually rick calms him down and then rick says we don't say the hard r anymore and it's like did he have to say that did he have to say we don't say the n-word anymore and say the n-word so i was gonna originally i had put in like my notes that that didn't help the plot however with that that did give a plot point because after that happened both um not both of them it's been a while since i've seen season one of the walking dead but um merle ends up at the top of the building where he fought t-bone and they i think they like lock him up or something with a handcuff zombies start coming to the top eventually merle because he couldn't find the key or something like that merle cuts his hand off and then like he ends up having one arm and that's and then he escapes and then he reaches the group again the brother of merle is kind of mad he's like hey why do you leave me to die and so I'm guessing that's supposed to be like their hate. That's supposed to be their racism moment. But it's like they never address racism again. I haven't watched the show in like a long time because it got like really bad. But it was like, I mean, they have racial diversity. They have like Michonne. She's a dark skinned black woman with locks. Um, They have, well, they had Glenn before they killed him off. He lasted for a really long time though. But it's like, I mean, I don't expect them to make a Black Lives Matter statement or like because race doesn't really matter in this show because there it's a zombie show but it's like 
why did they have to add that in there? Merle overall is a racist character. And so over the show, you know, he's a flawed man and he's pretty toxic, but it's like, this was so random to me. There's this tweet that's like, you know, uh, support black voices in the black, it's like trauma movies. Like that's literally how it was. So that's kind of when a show tries to actively take on racism and they kind of flop at it really badly. And then you have an inexplicit way when shows try and take on, um, I'm going to be talking, okay, I just want to clarify, I'm talking more specifically from a black standpoint about fantasy characters. I can't speak for all people of color, obviously, because I'm not people of color. So, like, I don't know, I can't quite well detect, you know, Asian stereotypes as, you know, Hispanic stereotypes, et cetera, et cetera. So, I just want to get that out there. I'm talking specifically about black stereotypes, because that's the one I'm most familiar with. So, when shows try and inexplicitly... That's a hard word to say. When I say it in explicit, I mean they just don't do it. And in this example, I don't mean they just erase characters. I, and so I'm gonna give you guys, so Twilight for instance, right? Twilight was probably the most whitewashed movie. I mean, I, I can't say it's whitewashed. They had Taylor Swift, but anyways, basically from what I've heard, I heard that his character just was not very well written and that he just was very stereotypical of just like native random tribe stuff, but he has no actual tribe. I looked up of like, why is there no racial diversity at all? Like it's just all white people. And so I feel like that movie may have made no attempts to have people of color in there or black people in there, because technically if we think about it, the movie is set in Seattle, which is a very, very white area. So maybe they were trying to be like accurate perhaps, but it's like, you literally have vampires that glitter. So how accurate can you be, you know? And also the writer, the writers of shows are very important. We're going to get into how writers kind of a huge impact on how the show goes. I mean, obviously, but who that writer is as a person and what they believe and value, um, especially racially, obviously. We're going to get into that later. But the writer of twilight she grew up in like a 92 i think it was that she grew up either 62 or 92 percent white area so what would she know about black people like i said i get this out there clarification i'm talking specifically about black people in this episode um what would she know about how to properly write a black character you know it's like she wouldn't really have the knowledge and what she looked like asking her black friends her probably one black friend in her city, hey, I need to write a black character. How do I write one? Because here's the, here's the hard part about it is if someone asks me, I'll be kind of annoyed. Like, don't ask me. I lied. I will be, I will be flattered they ask me because that means they're trying to be better. However, it's this awkwardness of, okay, was she supposed to... Because also the movie Twilight itself, aside from not having any people of color um, or any black main characters the show or the sorry the movie has gotten attacked for having poor writing just in general so if you already have bad writers imagine they get a character they don't know how to write like and they already got uh what is it attacked for having like misogynistic uh stereotypes and all that i don't think it was like that i think it just was a romance novel from like 2000s i think they're just being i i honestly i'm reading it right now i've seen all the movies it's been a while but maybe some girls like me just want a cute vampire story call me simple call me old school maybe that's one of a vampire story i don't know it's just it's cute and romantic anyway so we see when a show or a movie i'm sorry it's about to get into a show so i'm thinking of that when a movie ex- when i'm talking about it explicitly that's when they try and be aware of a character's blackness and it flops or you have a movie that just 
walks around it completely because they just either don't know how to do it or they don't care. Then we get the merge of the two, which is Bonnie Bennett from the Vampire Diaries. It's a merge of like they try to acknowledge her blackness, but they also don't do it at all. They completely write her off, but they like keep her in there. I'm gonna get into. I'm gonna explain all that later. Bonnie Bennett. In case you guys have not seen the Vampire Diaries, um, the Vampire Diaries is like a you know little teen show. There's like Lena. Guess that's not important if you haven't seen it. But Bonnie Bennett is the one black character. She actually is a biracial woman. She's half Jewish and half black. And in the show, she's a witch. She serves as like very. She's like the best friend of the main character. She is a main character, by the way. Like, she's the best friend of the main character, as well as her other white counterpart, Caroline, and her other counterparts, Stefan and uh, Damon, who are also white. Bonnie is light-skinned. The way they treated her is so bad. So we're going to start out with the explicit facts, with statistics of, like, just hardcore, like, no, just basic hardcore numbers. So out of the 171 episodes on The Vampire Diaries, she's only in 136 of them. She isn't in 20% of the 20% of the series. Meanwhile, Caroline's in 150 of them, which, which is 21 less. Or, sorry, my bad. Well, whatever 150 minus 136 is, it's a pretty big difference. I did the math in my head. That's 14 less episodes, which, considering when, like, seasons are 22 episodes long, that's almost two-thirds of a season that Bonnie is not in. But her counterpart, who holds the same amount of power, is in. So, Alaric who was dead for a few seasons, was, was in 149 episodes, which is 13 more than Bonnie, which shows a lot. Alaric, he was literally dead, and it's like, okay. Bonnie has fully died two different times in the show. However, she's had many near-death experiences slash sacrificial experiences. We're going to go into how, how her sacrificialness is very showing of why just just how badly they did her character but bonnie lets herself be killed to catch klaus off guard but she casts a spell beforehand that resurrects her that's one of the times she killed like dies she also died from overexerting herself while practicing magic and was only able to come back as the anchor to the other side now the the irony of this is she was doing magic to protect her friends because of course they needed her for the plot that's Literally all they've used Bonnie for is a plot pusher. And she, as the anchor, I know if you guys haven't seen Vampire Diaries, the anchor is what, when superficial, not superficial, uh, when supernatural characters, when they die, they have to go through the anchor. I don't, I just, that's where their soul goes, I guess. That's kind of what happens. And so every time they die, they have to walk through Bonnie, basically, which is an, which is an extremely painful experience for Bonnie to go through. Like her whole body just like, she screams in agonizing pain whenever someone dies. And it's like, what? Bonnie, after saving all of her friends because they couldn't do it, and she literally gets her entire witch family. Maybe that's the end of the series. I could be wrong. She gets her entire witch family to save them her reward for that is being the anchor to just be in more suffering pain. None of the other, none of the other characters have had to gone through that much suffering as pain as she has. And so with that being said, Bonnie has also died a third time. However, it was a prank. She was actually just stuck in a prison world, which just meant the day repeated over and over again with Damon. And we'll get into that later of just how sacrificial she is and all of that. I just said that's the basic stats. That's just looking at that and you can see how if you don't want if you think that like maybe i'm being biased or whatnot you can just see that just is what it is considering she's a main character and she's getting cut out like this is pretty 
I think it says, oh, I know it says a lot. So now we're going to get into implicit things of when the show kind of just dances around things and doesn't quite, they don't quite say anything. They just kind of, they, they sit back and observe. So the one time they've tried to acknowledge race and acknowledge a cultural difference is when they flash back to the 17, uh, the 1700s era. Cause you know, they're vampires and the first, not the first vampires, but the earlier ones, uh, Damon and Stefan, they've been alive for, you know, 300 something years. So they're going to go back to that era. So we first see Catherine. She's a vampire. She's like the kind of the earlier on vampires from the 1700s. She's like a um, very pretty woman on the on her little cattle. And she has um, a black woman with her. I think her name is Emily. And that's like, we can assume she's a slave or servant. They never say that though. We just see that the black girl is the best friend and she clearly is dressed differently and she has different hairstyles than all the other white counterparts or that uh people in that town during that time do they never address slavery at all yet they mention the civil war like there's this whole episode where when damon is having like ptsd I think this is in season six or five can't remember he's having ptsd and he's like getting ready for war and it's like this is a civil war era do we not know what they were fighting for, especially it's with the show being set in Atlanta or well, Georgia as a whole, but also the South in general, because they go to Louisiana sometimes. Do they not know? This could have been a point for them to make themselves stand out of acknowledging the Civil War and where the South would have stood at. And if they were going to say, well, historically speaking, to be accurate, the South would have been fighting for uh for slavery because that's what we know what the civil war was for it wasn't over states rights and if you're going to say that it's over states rights to have slavery so are they saying that damon was fighting for slaves is that is that what they were going to go for because it could have made him interesting that could have made him his redeeming quality be he's not racist ironically uh damon the reason uh the actor for the for damon in someone holder he actually was going to leave the show if they try to kill off bonnie again but they luckily they didn't admit that the last season anyways they could have really gone somewhere with the civil war then they could have made themselves stand out but instead they chose to ignore it because it's easier it's easier for two white writers a white male and a white woman to ignore these racial these obviously racial things when they can just write around it they can just make stuff and just talk about a war when they're clearly talking about the civil war and so even in the first season, when they mention, they bring up the black servant slave person and they never really go into it. The only reason she's there is to basically be the wingman for Catherine, as well as push the plot along. She's the one that like, I think she like locked Catherine in a tomb. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember she had no other purpose. They never went into her goals or anything like that. That's where the issue of having a white woman writer attempting to write a black woman indentured servant or slave or whatever she whatever emily was serving as that was like the black girl who was Catherine's friend the issue becomes is that she doesn't know how to do it because she doesn't care but she tried to care which is kind of why it all flopped which is why it ends up being this awkward merge because vampire diaries in the 1990s was a book and originally in the book bonnie was a white girl with red hair but the uh, writer Julie Pleck, she wanted Bonnie to like, she wanted to have some diversity. She wanted a splash, a color, some fun. And so I guess she decided to have Kat Graham star as Bonnie Bennett. But you can just tell that like, one, 
I feel like she only casted a black girl because in her head, black girls are like spicy, fun. Like they're like the pop of sugar, boom, pow, bam. And you have a redhead. She thinks those, she might think those are synonymous with each other because why couldn't Caroline be written black? Why couldn't Damon be black? Stefan? And even not even black, any other race. It didn't even have to, she didn't even have to be white. Or she didn't even have to be black. She messed it up because she doesn't care. She doesn't understand what it means to be a black character. And it's not like she was just cast typing or like, it's not like, hey, we just said have red hair and, you know, five girls came in of all races and you happen to be the one we like. We want you. No, she actively wanted someone to have that diversity. I'm putting air quotes. You guys can't see that diversity. And it's like, this is your token black girl. So you won't seem racist. Based off how they write her, we're going to get into that later. We can see how actually racist Julie Plek is along with the male writer. I don't know his name, because, but most of this really falls on the Julie Plek. So the first thing we're going to kind of get into is how Bonnie falls into the character type or archetype stereotype of the Mammy character as well as the Magical Negro. Personally, I feel like she's more the mammy character which is why i'm going to bring evidence for that other people have said that she's more the magical negro i'm going to kind of define why i don't by definition she fits i'm going to explain why i don't really think it's the best fit the mammy definition according to the ferris state university the character portrays an obese coarse maternal figure she had a great love for her white family, but often treated her own family with disdain. Although she had children, sometimes many, she was completely desexualized. She belonged to the white family. Though it was really stated, she was a faithful worker. She had no black friends. The white family was her entire world. She was too busy serving as a surrogate mother slash a grandmother to her white families. Mammy was so loyal to her white family that she was often willing to risk her life to defend them. It's a main traits for a Mammy character. Self-sacrificing, white identified, fat, asexual, good humored, a loyal cook, housekeeper, and a quasi family member. For the magical negro definition this is from tvtropes.com also all my sources will be linked in the bio i'm gonna put like a doc so you guys can read all my sources i use some really helpful youtube videos and like documents and little like uh blogs and videos that i found that made all this research so much helpful and they all be listed in my bio of this podcast anyways the magical negro definition according to tvtropes.com is in order to show the world that minority characters are not bad people one will step forward to help a normal person air quotes with their pure heart and folksy wisdom they are usually black and or poor but may come from another oppressed minority with such deep spiritual wisdom and sometimes though not always actual supernatural powers you might wonder why the magical negro doesn't step up and save the day himself this will never happen so enlightened and selfless is he that he has no desire to gain glory for himself he only wants to help those around him who need guidance now technically bonnie does fall into the traits listed in the magical negro definition but i feel like it's deeper than that it also is more complicated because the show itself is a mystical show i mean there's witches vampires wolves hybrids are there i think there's like a tribrid you got uh what is it called uh what was a witch home called <sighs> not a cottage core what are they called <sighs> i can't think of what a witch home is called it's making me so mad 
but you got it's a lot so i don't really think it'd be easiest to say she fits the magical negro definition but the stuff the trait that i definitely do feel like fits her that they definitely wrote her with is that she'll never step up for herself and never will like be her own independent person because she's just so selfless and all that but it's like no you're not selfless like they just they're making you non-human almost and you only help those who need you like Bonnie is not the kind of like Bonnie is not just oh she always puts her friends first it starts to become unrealistic of what she's doing none of her friends have ever put her first the closest best friend she kind of well I guess it wasn't her closest best friend but like even like they just they fail to give her any successful relationships and I'm gonna go into that later but I feel like she honestly fits the mammy character type most because she just she I'm gonna get into that I'm gonna get into it I'm gonna get into it but the main reason I feel like she doesn't fit the magical negro definition is because the writers would have to care enough to give her a good light they don't give her a good light they just make her the plot pusher that's all she is for the most part she has her moments here and there where she's kind of interesting they go into her family a little bit before they kill both of her parents simply for the plot because her parents were the but like with her parents right so with her parents anyway so with her parents when her dad dies she like lights a candle for him and that was basically it and they never go in like they never go over she gets one episode up on it that's it she gets one episode and they never go over how she actually grieved through her dad dying considering she was not very close with her mother and they show her grandmother her grandmother died off too literally her whole family died um i guess everyone else's family died too but it's like man <laughs> all right cool meanwhile in season six caroline's mother dies of cancer she turns her camera she turns her humanity off after that and like she gets a whole bunch of episodes it's a whole ordeal of her mom dying from cancer mean at least she got to say goodbye no she didn't she didn't get to say goodbye i lied yeah she did yeah, she, they, she did get to say goodbye they had a whole funeral for her mother and i get her mother was a main character for this show but it still starts to get to this point of like how many excuses can we make before it's always it's always a convenient excuse we never learn anything about Bonnie's family, considering that it would, we learn a little bit that the Grimler's a witch, but they only use her for her spells and they need something from her. That's all they use her for. We never just get an interesting episode on their backstory. But for some reason, we get like random flashbacks of like the family, of Elena's family. And it's like, as much of a main character as Alaric was for them, why wouldn't bonnie's parents be like a main character or an import as an important figure as um you know bonnie's other the other parents but also bonnie doesn't get to grieve at all when her mother dies i think they get one thing she doesn't she never gets to grieve how she needs to when her when her lover dies they make her seem like she's as she should be hysterical because that was like her first like real genuine love they make her seem kind of crazy with it and she has to like they like lose the body or something like that's like disintegrate or burn i think it literally got burned up i'm pretty sure the mom lit the body on fire like she literally can have anything but also they i, I also believe they don't allow her to they also don't allow her to grieve because i would acknowledge that she has actual feelings and the writers will be required to write her as an actual human with the with emotions and ups and downs and all of that 
she couldn't just be a strong black woman archetype anymore. She had to actually be a human, which the writers can't, they don't know how to do that. They are so afraid. They also probably don't care. They don't want that for her. Hence why when writers, not the writers, when fans were like, hey, we want to see, we want to see Bonnie date like a vampire. We want to see, we want to see, uh, I think it's the, the ship name for Bonnie and Damon. Uh, it's like Blonnie? No, Bayman, Bayman or Donnie. No, Bayman sounds, Bayman sounds right. The ship name for them is Bayman. And so the writer, Julie Pleck, her response to that was, Dear certain Bonnie fans, you prefer beautiful, strong Bonnie to, Bonnie to be with a murderous vampire like Cole. And it's like the word strong. Bonnie should is actually not very strong. If we see her character, we would honestly assume that she has no backbone because of how many times she sacrificed herself for her family. Why is she the only strong one? She is like a simple girl. Like, why should she be this? She should honestly be the most mentally weak one considering how much they put her through. Her character has no other option but to go through everything they've written her through. I know Bonnie's not an actual human. However... Art imitates reality and re reality imitates art. So it's like, we're going to get into that later. I don't want to jump ahead. I don't want to jump ahead. But that strong part of Bonnie actually is not a strong person. She's not weak, but she's not very strong. She is somewhat emotional and actually a very soft, very compassionate person. So it's like, why would they think she doesn't get to grieve because she's strong Every person grieves. Every person goes through the grief process, but they think she's just some strong mammy character who has no emotions. The mammy traits we're gonna uh, start with is the asexual behavior, which starts with, um, it isn't to say that Bonnie needs to be dating every single person or to be feminized or in order to be an actual character. Nothing like that, but it's like, the show has a lot of, I mean, it's rated TV 14. One thing about that show, they're going to have them a kissing scene, a lot of making out scenes, a lot of getting grown scenes. I mean, Caroline has literally dated every single person. Caroline has dated Damon. She dated Stefan, Klaus, uh, Tyler. Elena got Bonnie. Uh, no, Elena got uh, Damon, Stefan, Matt. Yep, she got them. Meanwhile, all Bonnie has gotten is she got Jeremy and I feel like she had two love interests. I think they both died. Like one of them was like, one, maybe one of them was her cousin. I can't even remember. Then she got Enzo of which they killed off brutally for no reason. He had no funeral whatsoever and at the end when they were bringing everyone back to life they literally they brought damon back to life they brought stefan back to life somehow the spell that bonnie does at the end to like bring up to to unlink their lives somehow to unlink elena and bonnie's life um but if you haven't i'm saying their lives were linked basically elena's if elena died then bonnie would live but if bonnie dies then elena will live and it's awkward because it can't both be live at the same time so again we're gonna get to that later it's okay it's cool it's cool anyways with enzo that was her like her first kind of love interest mind you this is at the end of the season this is the final season she finally gets one love interest that everyone already hated they get to date for a little bit while he's on the run from being murdered and after they're finally leaving their house stefan comes in and kills him in cold blood and that's that and due to that reason conveniently because bonnie's too busy mourning 
the one time she gets to grieve, she doesn't want to go to uh, Caroline's wedding because Caroline is marrying Stefan, of which he killed her boyfriend, her her significant, her lover, or he killed him. She often conveniently is too busy to get invited to many of the balls they do. They have these little like in the show they have these um these ball things and they're like important and all that. It's like a whole big ordeal for like the whole city. Bonnie is never at them. She is either helping a plot or she's dead or she just I don't know out of town. But it's like of course the final end of the season and of course Bonnie's nowhere to be found because she's too angry to go. This is the one time they write her grieving in. How did they let her parents die? Both of her parents died. Her grandmother died. All three of them gone. She didn't mourn them at all. But now her boyfriend dies and she can't come to the wedding. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Whatever. Whatever works. And also in her asexual behavior, I feel like they dress her... Um, they dress her more masculine in a sense. I'm not, I don't mean she has to dress like really freely in order to be sexual, but it's like clearly the show doesn't have any um, lesbian characters or any gay. I think they have one gay character. They kill him off. <laughs> they kill him off, of course. But they have like, it's like the, the girls are all meant to be pretty like straight, not hetero, pretty heteronormative, you know, normal teen girls, very simple. And Bonnie's often wearing jeans and like an awkward vest. They don't dress her very well. And it's like, meanwhile, I know Atlanta didn't have that much drip either, but there's this picture. I'm going to post it on the Planet Vars podcast page, which is planet.vars. Um, so you guys can see it. But it's just like, basically, the both of the girls around them, the two other main characters, Elena and Caroline, they have on like cute girly outfits. Like it's like a cute little dress and jewelry and all that and bonnie has on jeans and like a random like it's like a vest thing and it's like are you guys serious bonnie has never shown any traits of being like a tom girl or tomboy whatever people call it it's not like she's ever been like oh i don't like dresses and skirts no bonnie has never shown any traits of that and that's where my issue comes that they assume she's more masculine or she wouldn't enjoy wearing skirts like this because she's strong what about Bonnie is strong? What about her is says I couldn't wear I don't want to wear jewelry. And they just her wigs are really bad. Speaking of wigs, they also would not allow her. Her hair got like really, really damaged. Um in her Vogue interview video, she talks about how like she had to wear wigs all the time. And when she tried to like wear like, hey, can I go more of a natural look? They shut her down immediately. They did not let her wear any braids, no afro, not even like a little like little body wave. It was straight hair every single time. They might have given her a little wave, like a slight wave, but they were not letting her wear any afro, nothing like that. And it's like, that's my that's where my biggest issue comes of why I say it's a mix of they try to be explicit and acknowledge Bonnie's race and her being a black kind. They, they didn't try at all, but they... They attempted to have diversity, but they didn't understand what it meant to actually have a diverse cast. They didn't understand what it meant to have a black character on the show. They didn't try to. And it's not like they're just being color casting blind slash colorblind because they clearly wrote her character a lot differently. They treated her a lot differently because that's how they actually feel. And so when they won't even let her wear an afro, it's like that's the thing. They want they want her as a token. They want her for the plot. They want her for the advertisement so they don't look racist. But when it comes down to it, they're not letting her be herself. They're not letting her be a black girl. 
she's biracial at that. She's very light skinned. So imagine how they actually feel to non-mixed people who don't have European looking features. That's not to erase cat's blackness at all. That's just to say that they're people that look, it's a spectrum. The more white slash European looking you look, the better your life is. That's just is what it is. Lighter skin, better treatment. Hey guys, I am editing and I actually decided that I'm going to split uh, the episodes into a part one and part two. So this is the end of part one. Um, yeah, I didn't want it to be super long because I really, it's like one of my favorite episodes and I put a lot of time. My mouth sounds so wet. I am so sorry. Anyways, um, I put a lot of time into this. Like I did a lot of stuff and I don't want it to, I hate, I don't like long things. I wouldn't listen to an hour podcast. I want it split. I don't. You know, I want us to be enjoyable. I don't want us to be too much at once. I'm going to split it. So it's the end of part one. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will see you guys next time for part two or for another episode. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, bye.